This morning, I want to talk to you about another personal discipline. And you say, well, it's Christmas time. You know what? I, I know that. I do, honestly. I know it's Christmas. And I know everything that we do is to exalt Christ. You know, everything. So I want to talk this morning about serving others. And, um, you know, so... You know, while Jesus is always the... Hey, Robin, good to see you. uh, Jesus is the center. You know, forget it. I'm just glad to see you. But uh, this morning, I want to talk about Tabitha. Uh, You know, it's kind of a a strange... It might seem like a strange message approaching Christmas. But, you know, we don't always have to do things the way we think we have to do them. We have to be prayerful in how we approach things, and sometimes our, when we listen more than we talk, we hear things that we wouldn't otherwise hear because we're too busy talking. And so it's great to um, listen to what the Lord is saying. And so as the Lord spoke, he gave me this word. Acts 9, at Joppa there was a certain disciple named Tabitha, which is translated Dorcas, This woman was full of good works and charitable deeds, which she did. But it happened in those days that she became sick and died. When they had washed her, they laid her in an upper room. And since Lydda was near Joppa and the disciples had heard that Peter was there, they sent two men to him, imploring him not to delay in coming to them. Then Peter arose and went with them. When he had come, they brought him to the upper room, and all the widows stood by him weeping, showing the tunics and garments which Dorcas had made while she was with them. But Peter put them out, all out, and knelt down and prayed, and turning the body, turning to the body, he said, Tabitha, arise. And she opened her eyes, and when she saw Peter, she sat up. Then he gave, uh, he gave her his hand and lifted her up. And when he had called the saints and the widows, he presented her alive. And it became known throughout all Joppa, and many believed on the Lord. And so it was that he stayed many days in Joppa with Simon a tanner. You know, why would we talk about Tabitha on this December morning? Well, uh, you know, I believe that we underestimate how much Christ is... Um, is presented to the world through the things that we do. Not simply the sermons we preach, because most of the people in this world will not be changed. They will not come to know Jesus because of the sermons that are preached. They're going to be one to Christ because you are going out and doing what Tabitha was doing. You're going to do good works. God's called us to do good works. He's not called us uh, to be the best expositors. He's not called us to be the best uh, stage presence. But he has called us to be servants. And he's going to send you out into the world to serve him. And you are going to make a difference because your hands and your feet are going to present Christ. Amen? How many know these hands were made to uh, present Jesus to the world? Lord, I pray, lift your hands before the Lord. Anoint these hands to do mighty and incredible things in humility and in honor for others, that others might see Jesus. How many have feet under you today? You know, you look down at your feet and say, God, these feet are your feet. These feet are anointed to go where you have destined and purpose for them to go. 
And Lord, these feet will, Lord, guide me and direct me as I am led by the Holy Spirit into those divine opportunities that have been created for me to share Jesus in some form or fashion. And Lord, we pray that these mouths from which we speak, Lord God, will flow the anointing of the Holy Spirit, that the words we speak will be life, they will be light, and Lord God, that they will be full of your word, saturated with the word of the living God. And Father, I pray in the name of Jesus that we would speak, Lord, that uh, right word of at the right time, that prophetic word, Lord God, that word of wisdom, that word of knowledge, Lord God, whatever it might be, that we would speak only as Christ has purposed that we should. And so, Father, we thank you for this house. It's a place of worship today. It's a place where we bow our hearts before you. We acknowledge you, Lord. We lay down our lives, our ambitions, and our agendas to follow hard after you. You know, this morning as we think about this story, we talk about Tabitha because the scriptures are full of stories about people like Tabitha, ordinary people who did things in the context of their lives to present Jesus to other people. What is the context of your life that God has placed you in, and how are you and how am I serving in that context you know, that what I mean that is your circle, your sphere of influence, how are you and I serving others? What are we doing? You know, Tabitha, within the context of her life, was serving people, and she was doing things for people. The Bible says that Jesus went about doing good. You know, we think of all the things that Jesus did, but we can't overlook the fact that Jesus did it, lived a life of benevolence and kindness and goodness. You know, God chose the narrative, and he included Tabitha in it, right? God included Tabitha in this narrative. This is the inspired word of the living God. This isn't a newspaper article. It's not some best-selling novel. It's not even the best-selling book from the greatest theologian on on the planet today. This is from the inspired word of the living God. This isn't about God. This is from God. This is not about things. This is about the kingdom. Come on, church. You with me this morning? You live a life of service, and you live within the context of the kingdom. You know, this gospel is largely advanced through human instrumentality. You realize that every person who's in heaven will be there because of two things. They will be there primarily and solely, really, because of Christ but they will also be there because of other people who were in, who shared love and light and influence with them. How many people will be in heaven today because of because of how I allowed God to work through my life? How many people will be in heaven because you have allowed your hands to be anointed to serve God in the context that he has placed you. How many of us will know that there will be people in heaven because these feet were guided uh, by the leading of the Holy Spirit and we walked with an anointed purpose in our lives? I want you to think about that with me for a moment. How many people know Jesus because... You are available to share him in some way, either through your hands or your mouth or your feet. But in some way, 
God used you in the context of your life to share Jesus in such a profound way. Now, Tabitha had physical, tangible evidence of her investment in the lives of other people. She was full of good deeds. What a, char- what a characterization of someone's life to say they were good, full of good. They did, their lives were characterized by the good they did for other people. You know, and I thank God that it wasn't because she was a great theologian or she was a great this or a great that, but she was a servant. And for most of us, that's where we live, right? You know, God hasn't called us to, 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 to great theology. He wants to reveal himself to us, but he has called us to be servants. You know, everybody wants to be the, at the head of things. I mean, the, the disciples wanted to, to be the greatest, right? That was their ambition in life. And yet Jesus said, forget that. Pick up that towel and get over there and wash somebody's feet. He might not have said it that way, but I just did. It doesn't mean much, but I still said it. And he said, go wash feet. You want to be the greatest? Get over there and wash your, your brother's dusty, dirty feet. And, you know, when I think about Tabitha, you know, she was grounded in a place where her life was connected with other people where they live. You see, that's where this gospel spreads. You know, we're worried about the spread of COVID, and we distance ourselves from people. We take precautions because we are so fearful of what COVID's going to do to us or to someone else. And I understand some, a lot of that. But I want to tell you, I would pray that our faith in Christ, the Christ that we serve, would be more, more contagious to people than any other thing in our lives. And it's at the ground level, the grass level, that Jesus will be, and the kingdom of God will be advanced. You know, you know here you think about this. This church is going to advance because you are living Christ at the grassroots level. Your hands have been anointed How many of us today are doing things with our hands outside the context of our mere responsibilities, although all responsibilities should be done unto the Lord? But how many of us are using these hands to do something? You know, I want to say this, uh, you know, again, because it's been a a very, very interesting time for me. You know, as I've been providing some chaplaincy services for a a group of people, uh, you know, they're... There are those who live in an assisted context and those who live in a, in a dementia unit. And, uh, you know, one of the things that really has just renewed uh, some of the personal uh, appreciation for ministry on the grassroots level, or t- I'll give you an example. There were, there were two women. I've gotten more hugs from women in my, in my time there, Robin. I confess, I've hugged lots of women, and I enjoyed all of it. All of it. But they were 85 and 95 and 100 years old. You know, uh, you know there, was, there was a man, I walked through the, uh, the, the dining area and there was a new man that had come in and I, he's 99 years old. And I said to him, I said, how are you enjoying this, this new transition in your life? He says, I hate it. I said, well, that's, there's nowhere to go but up from there. And I said, he, I said, why do you feel that way? And he said, because I'm bored. We had a 99-year-old man that was bored. You get that? 99. I mean, I'm not sure what it was he wanted to do. 
But, uh, you know, he says, I'm bored. But he, I was, we were walk, walking through the hallway and there's a woman sitting on a bench and she's, you know, she's 80s, late 80s and she's sitting there and she's sobbing on the bench. And uh, so, you know, I went over and I sat down on the bench beside her and she said, get out of here. No, she didn't say that. Sat down on that bench beside her and I said, why, why, what's wrong? And she said, I miss my husband, and he, he's died several, and she, the tears were just streaming, and, and uh, I said, well, you know, I, I listened more than I spoke, but at the end of it, I just, I said, can I, can I give you a hug? And she said, yes. And so I put my arm around her, and I just gave her a squeeze. And she said, that hurts, stop it. No, she didn't say that. I'll just tell you this, uh, and we prayed, and, and the Lord was in the midst of it, but you know something? Uh, you're allowed to hug, you just have to wear a mask, you know, you have to wear a mask while you're there, so they don't, but you do, and so I gave her this hug, and she said, you know, that's the first hug that I've had in a long time. I want to be his hands extended, man. I want to be where it's happening. You see, this is all great here. But if we ain't living it out there, it don't matter what we do here. If you're not taking this and putting it into practice among other people, who cares how great your preaching is, your singing is, your, your presentation? Nobody cares about any of that if we're not living it outside the church. If these hands are not anointed and serving people at the grass level, who cares what you think, what you say, what your nobility is, or what your pedigree is? The only thing that people is going to change the world are people with anointed hands who are willing to get out there and to minister to people. See, I, you know, the uniqueness of this opportunity for me is that I'm serving with a lot of people who are not believers, we come into church and we assume that everybody's a believer, but I'm working among, I'm serving among some people who, who aren't believers. They're atheists. Some of them are into witchcraft. You say, how, we know that, right, Robin? I know that for a fact. And I see people in different contexts, but those precious seniors to me, or where it's at, you know? And so I love the opportunity to be a witness to those who serve and those who are being served. And why I say this today is I, there was another instance. There was a woman. I don't know. It must have been an emotional day. Well, I looked in the room, and there's a woman sitting there bawling. I mean, all these women are bawling. Is that what, what happens? Women bawl a lot, Whitey? Yeah, well, he said it, not me. Uh, She's sitting in the room bawling, and I walked to crying, okay, if it sounds better, weeping, and a little, maybe a little bit of gnashing of teeth, and I walked in, and I said to her, what's wrong? Well, she said, I guess you heard by now, I got in a fight today, and I thought, man, she is my kind of woman. I love this. She said, yeah, I got in a fight today, and I'm upset about it, and she's, I said, well, tell me, what happened? And she said about they were playing bingo, and, uh, and, and, you know, she won, but they didn't give her the candy bar. And some other lady took the candy bar, and so they got in a confrontation over the candy bar. And the Holy Spirit enters those awkward situations, and he gives you the opportunity 
to either listen or to speak the choice words, not necessarily many words, but the choice words that come from the heart of God, to do the choice things with your hands and your feet. And God just began to soothe her pain. And I said, can I pray with you? Yes. And I said, by the way, I've got, I get into scuffles with people too. And she said, you do? And I said, yeah, I got it. I've been in more scuffles and scrapes with people over the years than you can count on your fingers and toes. And she said, well, that's good to know. And she says, I feel better. And I said, well, why don't we pray? And we prayed. And, uh, you know, and then I gave her a hug and she was so grateful for the hug. You know, I got to tell you, there's some incredible people that I've witnessed. The person who runs the facility actually goes in and serves people from the, from the food line. Not for five minutes or half hour, but for hours serves and takes care of people. And, and I've noted to this individual, I said, that's, that's an example of true, true leadership there. Serving people with a smile, you could simply be sitting behind a desk, and you have to sit behind a desk once in a while, but it's sure great when you can get out into the fields, and you can make personal contact with people and serve them and do things that people will remember. They're going to remember much less of what we say and a lot more of what we do. You know, this morning as we think about Tabitha, she made all these garments and she did things for people. She was full of good works. God included her in his narrative. And God, this Bible is the divine narrative. This isn't man's word. This is the word of the living God. And I'm, I'm going to go to the mat for that. I don't, I don't want to be around any pa- person who uh, that says they're a minister or a pastor and does not believe that the Bible is God's word. I only want to hear you. I don't want to talk to you unless you want to hear the truth. Because this is God's word. It's non-negotiably inspired, infallible, and inerrant word of the living God that serves as the foundation for our faith and the fuel of our faith. You know, when I look at Tabitha, I see a woman who uh, was much of what we see in scripture. First Corinthians 1 says, for the foolishness of God is wiser than the human wisdom. How many still believe that? All the rhetoric and the, all, of the, all of the things, the, the philosophical things that people are throwing out there that run contrary to the word of God. I want to tell you, the word of God is greater. Come on, church. Your Bible is not a dust collector. If it is, your, your faith is going to, your, your walk with Christ is going to get rusty when your Bible gets dusty. And so you need to blow that dust off. You say, I don't read the Bible, I use my phone. Well, whatever you use, spend more time on it than you do social media. Spend more time on that than, than uh, you know, the obsessions that have captured the hearts of many Christians and taken them away from the fields of service. The gospel is largely advanced through human instrumentality, and thus the importance of both the baptism of the Holy Spirit and the fruit of the Holy Spirit are vital and critical and important if we're going to present Jesus. You know, Jesus doesn't want to stay in the manger, 
Oh, they got such a, my dad and mom, they have, they have a beautiful manger set. They put it up in a loft in a little uh, barn they have on their property, and it overlooks the highway, and people are always commenting on that. It's been there for 30-some years, and you know, that's, that, I love that, but here's the fact, God doesn't want to stay in the manger this Christmas. He wants to get out into your neighborhood and into your communities and with you, the people, and he wants these hands busy. Come on, not just this. He wants these hands busy. He wants these feet. We've seen a lot of great things done in advance through people in this church who have been willing to serve. You know, the people that I remember over the years in ministry weren't the great, uh, they weren't the grand, uh, you know, talkers. They were the people who did the things that made everything else work. They were the people behind the scenes who did the things that others wouldn't do because that wasn't their calling. When your calling and my calling moves us beyond the practical, physical application of our faith, then we are in the wrong place. You know, we, we had an all-nighter, and maybe Stephanie might remember this with the kids. And, you know, the kids had to understand if they came to an all-nighter, they were staying up. Nobody was sleeping. You know, we weren't going to have, you know, anybody coupling up and canoodling. There was none of that. And I policed them with great joy. I mean, I watched every move they made. A couple tried to sneak off and cuddle over in the corner and said, no, no, get up, Junior. It doesn't work that way. At the end of the night, I was dead tired, and there was a young fella we were all we all had to clean up anything we messed up and how many know it's good for people to clean up what you mess up you're not entitled to make a mess and to walk away and leave it for someone else that's not a servant that's not what Christ would have. We're not, we're not entitled. We don't walk around with a spirit of entitlement. We, we walk around with a spirit of awe that God loved us and showed unmerited favor to us. We walk in humility before others. But this one kid, you know, he, he, I, I, um, I said, I want you to sweep the floor in the kitchen. And he said, I'm not doing that. You know, and unlike the days of political correctness where we sit and negotiate or have counseling over this thing, I took the broom and I put it in his hands and I said, this broom fits your hands, get busy. And he swept the floor. You know, today we've got to sit down and psychologically analyze the situation and find out whether we're going to be prosecuted for being a parent or being a leader or being the person that God has called us to be. We need not to get smarter. We need to grow a spine. Stop living in fear. Stop living in this uh, spirit and be a servant. Get out there and serve people. Oh, is it okay to serve people? It's always okay to serve others and to serve the needs of other people. You don't need an endorsement from the pastor. You don't need an endorsement from the church. You need to say, I am going to serve you, Lord, in my neighborhood. I'm going to serve my family, my friends, the strangers that you place into my life. And I'm going to do it with great liberty. I got to get back here. This is where people say, well, you go, you know, you're over. Well, yeah, I am, I am, I am. I don't care. It's me. Are you going to come back? 
Okay, there's about 10 of you, so that's good. Next week, we'll know where the rest went. But it fits with 1 Corinthians one twenty-five. It says, for the foolish things of God is wiser than the wisdom of man, and the weakness of, thing, weakness of God is stronger than human strength. Brothers and sisters, think of what you were when you were called. Not many of you were wise by human standards. Not many were influential. Not many were of noble birth. But God chose the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. And God chose the weak things of the world to, conf- to confound and to shame the strong. God uses everyday people in everyday context to change the world. Come on, how many believe you are a world changer? Come on. You know, the devil wants to tell you you have no influence in your world. I'm going to tell you that's a crock of baloney. You are a, you are a world changer. You just got to make sure these hands are engaged in what they should be. These feet are are headed in the direction that God has directed them to go. And that these mouths are speaking kingdom revelation and truth. I'm going to move down here, so don't get too worried about it. Uh, Matthew 5, 16, the Bible says in the same way, let your light shine before men that they may see what? your good deeds and glorify your father in heaven. He said that he didn't say that they may hear your great exposition. He said that they may see your good deeds and glorify him. So everybody can do that, right, right church? Everybody can do that. I, I, you know, they just, these folks came in and, and Tom saw my, uh, what is that, snowblower. Remember I told you the story of the snowblower? I don't know if you remember, I, I, I got rid of mine because I, I just wanted to shovel my, my driveway and be done. It just was by the time I'd get this thing out. And, you know, sometimes the things you get out and are just more of a pain than the things that you just could do otherwise. So I said, I'm going to use my shovel and I'm going to be done. But I made the mistake of doing my neighbors a couple of times when I had the snowblower. And, you know, I don't know why or how he knew that I sold mine, but he gave me his, which is just like mine. And so now when that snow comes, he's going to be looking for Pastor uh, Slick Rick to come up to his house and clean his driveway. God has a sense of humor. You know, I didn't want to do it anymore. And God said, no, you're going to do it, son. You're going to do it. Some of you are running away from the practical things that God has told you to do. And, you know, if you're, you know, God anoints you. How many know that God anoints these hands with spiritual authority, scriptural authority, these feet? We live with an anointing upon. Everybody says, that's not my anointing. That's not my gift. I want to tell you something. A lot of that stuff is baloney. It's an excuse for not doing what God sets in front of us because it's like we say, well, that's not my calling or that's not my gift. If God presents the opportunity and you're the one there, what is God saying to you? You're it. Don't run home. And, you know, sometimes we need to engage, get other people engaged in the process. But God sometimes says, no, I want you to be Tabitha. I want you to do something here in a practical, tangible way that's going to make a difference for somebody. I'm going to ask you, how many of us in this room, I don't care what you've done in this church, how many of us 
leave this church and we intentionally engage people at the grassroots level with this glorious saving gospel. Oh, I'm nice to people. Baloney. Everybody, well, not everybody. I've encountered a few that aren't. But, uh, uh, you know, nice is nice. But living with an anointed purpose goes beyond being nice. I didn't ask you if you were nice. You should be nice. Just the fact that you're a human being. You should be nice. Whether you're a believer or an unbeliever, you should be nice. How many believe that? There are a lot of nice people who aren't, if they were to die today, aren't going to go to heaven because they don't know Jesus Christ. But you as the church, we have to live a life that is, that is tangibly, measurably, visibly, audibly present in the areas of need among other people. Tabitha lived that kind of life. And I'll close here in a few minutes. Hey, I gotta, it's, it's, if you're wondering, for those who are wondering and you're too spiritual to let anybody see you looking at your watch, I'm just kidding. You know there's some of you want to, but the cuff of your sleeve is caught down over your watch and it takes a lot of effort to uncover it. And so you just, uh, it's almost 11, almost. How many of us are letting, have good deeds? I'm not talking about what you get paid to do. I'm talking about what you do when you're not on the clock. You know, because some people, they come home and they've been nice all day to people and their spouse is waiting for them and they get home and somebody else has walked in the door. And it ain't Mr. Nice or Mrs. Nice because they say, they think in their mind, I'm sick of being nice, I'm sick of smiling, I'm sick of serving people. You know what? This is where faith really, this is where Jesus really energizes us to go that extra mile with people. All right, whatever. You know, that's what my kids say. Oh, whatever. You know, Jesus takes notes of the people that others wouldn't. You know, we, we like the big wigs. We want to show off the big donors and the big givers and the big names and the big celebrity. You know, we're into that celebrity culture, and the church is too. We want the big guns. You know, but Jesus had a way of saying, hey, that widow over there that threw two coins in the offering, she gave more than all these. She did more than they did. You know, one, and I know I'm off, but, I, you know, these are things that kind of tie in if you follow me. But, you know, we, we, we were somewhere, and they said, if you give $1,000, you're going to be in the circle of honor. I don't know what Bible these people read. But Jesus condemned people for doing that kind of thing. He condemned it. And now we're like, well, if you give $10,000, you're going you're gonna to be in the circle of honor. I'm going to be honest with you. I don't want to be in your stinking circle. Come on, church. Oh, well, do you know what you're talking about? Yeah, I do. Give $10,000 and walk away. Don't let one hand know what the other's doing. You, you know, you need a plaque to give, right? Come on, church. If we ever do anything in here, we, if we make that new skylight that we were talking about, we're not. But if we were, and you give toward it, you're not getting a plaque. 
We're not, we're not, we're not reserving a wall for a plaque for you. Jesus is taking notes and he knows what you're doing and he'll reward you accordingly. Tabitha was honored by God. And she made such an influence in the lives of people that when she died, you say, well, they had mourners. That's what they did. I'm going to tell you. Their hearts were broken when Tabitha died. How many of you remember people who were such a significant part of your life that when they died, there was just a void there? You know, some people are very gifted at calling out the deficiencies in life and, and, and the things that need to be done. And then there are those who are very gifted at doing the things that need to be done. You know, they see a, something that needs to be done that they can do, they do it. Of all the aspirations that people have, the highest of all of them may be that we can serve others in the love that God has poured into our hearts. Every person who's in heaven will be there because of Christ and, and because someone else. Share Jesus with them. In one way or another, someday that will happen. There may be more people in heaven who are there because of acts of compassion and kindness more than they are because of a pastor's sermon. Both the sermon and the acts of kindness are presentations of the gospel which accomplish all that it's purpose to accomplish, but don't under, ever undersell the difference that you make. We can't tell the world how much we love Jesus. And even though with even just with just one act of kindness, although one act of kindness can change the world, we're not we're not one hit wonders. And we're not one act shows. And we're not one trick ponies. You know, Tabitha left a trail of kindness. Can I finish? Are you okay with me finishing? How many, raise your hand. I want you, you're okay with me finishing. How many want me to shut up right now? All right, good. Yeah, I got a doctor here in, in a Bible school. He's sitting there saying, I hope they videotape this so I can show everybody how it's not done. I hope so. I would love to be in that. I mean, if that you want to make sure he he knows our our give him a video to take back with him. This woman was full of good works and charitable deeds. I'm going to say I'm going to say this. You may not know. There's here's some people that I remember, and I'm not going to give you their last name. And there's some here, and there are many others who have done other incredible things, but just to name a few. Here was Mabel. She cleaned the church in one of the churches I was there. She volunteered, and she did it by herself. And she was a Mennonite woman. She had a tremendous beehive. And she was so sweet. You know, if you don't know what that means, that's okay. But uh, she was precious. She took that as her church. And you say, well, that's a dangerous thing when people think it's their church. Not if their heart's in the right place. And she swept that broom and she cleaned and was meticulous, spent days in there cleaning the church. And, you know, no one really knew much about it, but they knew Mabel was there. Donald and Carl, Sid, James, Jane, those who have so faithfully stepped forward to serve others, 
And I'm going to say this, and I, I don't want, there's a lot of people doing a lot of things here, a lot of wonderful things, but just to name a few, Mel and Maggie and Russell and Lynn and Deb. You ever see Russell outside the church here? This is a man who's, I think he's either close to 90 or over 90. He's had cancer. He's had treatments, and he's been out there even when he had treatments. And that man, he's out there in the 90-degree weather. He's doing work around to help the staff here, volunteers his time. That's a Tabitha for me. You know, I think about being full of good works. Jesus' ministry, as it was noted, was characterized as going about doing good. There are those who are truly good as they are, things that are truly good as they are useful, and they are an extension of the person of Christ. Jesus wants out of the manger this Christmas. You know, there'll be a lot of people, and I thank God for every person, Christmas Eve, and I pray that it is. Come here Christmas Eve. But there are going to be a lot of people who come to worship the Jesus in the manger, but they need to know the Jesus who came out on resurrection morning, you know. Tabitha was a game changer. What happens when they're no longer present? People are sad. People are hurting. You know, here's the, I'm, I'm working toward that closure. I haven't preached in a couple of weeks, so the uh, sharing of giftedness. How many here have a gift from the Lord? Don't anybody say, I don't have a gift, because then what you're saying is the Lord cheated you. He forgot you. He overlooked you. That's not a good thing to say. I don't have a gift. You have a gift. You have a gift. Come on, church. Everybody in this church has a gift. And here's the thing. You've been given a gift, and you're a steward of that gift. You either are using it or you're burying it. One who is gifted in an area, an artisan, a sportsman, a community servant, minister, whatever it might be in life, a a carpenter, you can have a much longer reach of influence when you share your giftedness with other people. You know, share your gift and invest in others, or when you die, it will die with you. What a great thing for those who are able to do certain things really well, and they show other people how to do them. So that when they die, and we're going to die, how many know we're going to say That's a morbid Christmas thought. You know, for me, and it's not all that bad, because it says to die is gain, right? I'm not going to run and jump out in front of any bus or jump off a building today. But when it comes, I know death is gain. But until that time, you're to share the gift that God has entrusted you with. It's a stewardship that you've been given. You've been given it to invest in others. You do that or it's going to die when you die. God wants you to be an influence, an investor. He wants you to impart. He wants you to equip. He wants you to educate. There's one major intangible at times and worth and and yet worth greater value than what we can appraise in and it it, it is the 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 the, uh, investment that we make in other people's lives sharing the gift how many here now how many have a gift from the lord I I expect to see every hand I don't I don't want to see anybody going because I'm going to tell you if you say that you're saying God cheated you 
God didn't give you anything. That's not true. That's not true. We are his workmanship. He created us for good works, right? You have a gift. And you know, the time is getting late. You say, yes, it is. It's almost 10 after 11. And the time is getting late. I'm telling you, Jesus is going to return. If, if he doesn't return before, you and I are going to him before he comes to us. One way or another, we're having that time. You're running out of time to use the gift that God has given you if you're not using it. And if you're using it, thank God and keep plowing forward because the Bible says if we don't grow weary in doing well, in due season we will reap a harvest if we don't faint or give up. I want to ask you, what gift do you got? How many here, we can't leave this building until everyone raises your hand. How many are gifted by God? You say, I'm just not, I'm not, I'm not raising my hand. I refuse to raise my hand. I refuse to acknowledge that I'm gifted. You are gifted. You're valuable. You've got something to offer. You say, I'm waiting for someone to give me a word to confirm what my gift is. God has given you his word. Read your Bible and God will jump off of the pages into your heart and he'll reveal to you things that you wouldn't otherwise know. How many know God is a revealer? You can come, Tammy. That'll make people feel better. You gotta live a life that's inviting to other people. They will come to you as much because of your disposition as they will what you know. It's not, you know, they're going to come to me because I know so much. They're not going to come to you because you know so much. Jesus said, come unto me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. He said, take my yoke. He says, learn from me. He says, take my yoke upon you and learn from me. Here's what he said. For I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest to your soul. He was different. There may be certain things in your life that no one else in your family or your circle of friends can do the way you do it. And that's possible because it could be the, uh, your flare, the flair that you have. It could be the signature element of your activities. And that's okay. And each one has to develop his own style and thrive within their own giftedness, cultivating it and passing on the spirit of giftedness. You got something unique about you, peculiar. You say, are you calling me weird? Maybe. But I'm saying, I'm not really. I'm saying peculiar, distinct, unique. Often overlooked in the world of me first is one inconvenient question that has a solid answer, requires a solid answer. Can I serve God and not serve others? Can I serve God and not serve others? I thank God for all the servants here. We've seen some incredible expressions of generosity and kindness throughout the year, not just Christmas, but some people that have gathered and come together to do some tremendous things. I say this to you today, if you want a bigger stage, then take up the towel and wash someone's feet. 
Tabitha was sincerely missed. There were things that that were left, but there were things that were left for others, trinkets and treasures and things that they were able to say, this is what she did while she lived. What is it if you were to die? And me, this is for me too, I say you, but it means what would, what would there be if we die that would tangibly reflect what we've done while we're here? Oh, we invest in people spiritually and mentally and but, you know, what, what tangible things would, would be left for people to say, this is a reflection of what they invested their time in and what they gave their, their hands to and their feet to. There's a void in the absence of those who have shared their giftedness, their gracious sharing, their kindness. Uh, those who are insecure withhold any gift that they've been given because they feel that it's inadequate and they're afraid. Remember the man buried his because he thought if he did anything with it, he'd probably end up losing it. You won't lose what you give. You'll gain even more. I'm going to ask you to stand this morning. There's a genuine grief born of the real, realization of what we have suppressed and allowed to lie dormant. The heart aches and no one else can replace it when those people have been taken and we thank God for the experiences. What happens when we serve others? What happens when you serve others? Goodwill and gratitude take control of the platform. As believers, when we serve others in practical ways, others see Christ in action. They see the dynamic indwelling of the Spirit of Christ released through the hands and the feet of those who serve. Most people see God as distant and uninvolved with us. But you know, what you do among others in your context introduces God into that context and they see that he's more than just a religious idea. They cannot comprehend that there is a God that has any real day-to-day manifest involvement with them. I I want to say this because this is really powerful. There are people who think God has nothing to do with them. That God, if there is God, he's so far removed from me that there's just no, I don't even know how to even discern. I wouldn't know. I don't, I can't see him. I don't feel him. I don't, I don't know that he loves me. You know, it's uh. Josh said this morning, people, you know, they don't know that God lo- loves them. They don't, they don't know. And they're not going to most times come to church to hear a long sermon from a long-winded pastor. But they're going to hear you. They're going to see you. They're going to be affected by you. You have the power of influence. Church, come on. It doesn't matter what your political affiliation is. As a believer, a child of the living God. You have the power of influence. And some of us are walking around as though we have no influence. We have no gift that we're just biding our time until God take us out of here. Stop dying before you live. And live until you die. This morning as we we come down to the end and you say, Mercifully, Lord, thank you. Most people see God as distant and uninvolved. They can't comprehend. But when you are active as a believer in your context, then they begin to see God. They don't see any value in church. 
They see no value in church. They don't care who you have preaching, who you have singing. They don't care about your your ministries. They don't care what style of worship you have because they're not coming in here. And the Bible doesn't say that they will come. It says that you and I are to go. Because they're not coming if we're not going. If we're not the hands of Christ extended, they're not coming. It is phony baloney. How many will say phony baloney? To say, I want God to fill this church and we're not doing one thing in our sphere of influence to see that realized. Oh, well, I smile at my neighbor. Well, that's a plus. That's a good start. And I'm not condemning. I thank God for every servant of the living God who says, God, you've entrusted me with a gift. You placed me in a context and you've given me people as a mission field. Here's an analogy to close out. We, We can try to throw a loaf of bread to a hungry neighbor over a fence that is a hundred foot high and a hundred yards away from where we're trying to throw it from the place that we're launching it. And it never reaches them and we can say, well, you know, I tried. I tried. But until you walk around the fence and you go in the gate and you engage the person and give them the loaf of bread, you're not really trying. You know what I mean? I'm taking this loaf of bread and I'm trying to throw it over a hundred foot wall and it's a hundred yards away and it's never gonna make it. And church, that's what's happening today. We're we're, we're saying that we wanna reach people. We're saying that we wanna make a difference and, and we complain about church being too long and what it is and who's doing what. But I wanna tell you this, your neighbors need you. The people around you need you. You've been anointed of God. And if you're serving them, I commend you. And I thank God for all of those faithful people who are going forth knowing the time is running out. Would you this morning just raise your hands with me for a moment? and You leave a trail of kindness with you when you leave that will outlive the number of days you have on this earth. You leave samples of who you are. And someday... Others will reflect upon it. The things associated with Tabitha meant something to those whom she had a relationship with and those who were blessed by her generous handiwork. Our Father in heaven, we thank you. Lord God, how many here just want to be so energized? You want to take, you can't wait to get out and share that gift today. Come on, church. I want you to say, I'm going to share this gift. I'm not putting it under a bushel. I'm not burying it. I'm use this gift that you've given me wherever the context and the opportunity is that you have given me. Let's take this world for Jesus. Come on. How many here say, let's take this world for Jesus Christ? You know, come on, I'm not talking about political agenda. I am so sick of politics. I want to barf. I want this church to be focused on the kingdom of God, the kingdom of God, that God wants to advance his kingdom, that he wants light to overtake darkness. He wants death to be defeated in the promise and the hope and messaging of life.
Hallelujah. Come on, we need the Holy Spirit in this house. Not only in this house, but when you go, you've got to be full of the Holy Spirit. Full of the Holy Spirit. Come on, church. I sense this morning as we had prayer and communion that there were people who were ready to say, God, I want more of you. I want to move in the fullness of the Holy Spirit. You know, I got to tell you, I, 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 I'm very impressed in my heart. I don't know what, I'm very impressed to say, church, this is a turning point for all of us because God wants Tabithas. He wants Tabithas. He wants people who are known and for full of good works. We're not saved by good works, but they're certainly the evidence of our salvation. They're the evidence of our salvation because it's an extension of the fruit of the Spirit. How many here will say, God, I'm going to be more, I'm going to be more attentive? You know, there's one thing we got to do here. We got to do here. Just one. Anybody that really struggled to raise your hands when you said you were gifted, I'm not here to embarrass or to condemn. I just want to pray uh, that you will be completely released and confident to put that gift into action. As we as we close here, and I am cognizant of time, I've got to drive to Chambersburg after this, so Robin and I, so I'm, I, I understand that, I get it. But I want to ask you this morning, if you're in this house and uh, you say, it was kind of hard for me to to raise my hand with confidence to say that I have a giftedness either because I thought it was bragging or because I don't have one it's not bragging we gotta, we're, we're really acknowledging the graciousness of God the goodness of God when we acknowledge the gifts that he entrusts to us and he gives us to steward I'm going to invite you if you'd come. You can bring your spouse if you want. And I just want to pray up here for a moment. You say, do you have to have altar service? Yeah, we do. Today we do. I want to ask you if you just come and you say, I, I struggled to raise my hand because I'm, I'm not really sure what my gift is. And therefore, I would assume I don't have one. And I want God to set you free. I want the Holy Spirit to, get, to, to come all over your life to come into your heart and your mind. Would you, as we sing this song today, I want to invite you to come. Now, you know, I'm not doing this uh, for show. I don't care. You know, one day I'm going to stand before God and you know, my heart, my motives, my works are going to be judged. So I care little for what you think. And as Paul said, I don't even evaluate myself all the time because I'm not real sure that my judgment is accurate. But I'm going to tell you, I'm not going to stand before God and say, hey, you know, I, we had our thing going and as long as I could preach, as long as we could sing, as long as we could do something, uh, we're happy. We want God to cap this with his glory. I invite you to come. Don't hesitate. As we sing this song, I'm going to ask you in boldness. If you've got to, you've got to step out with a, with a new determination. If that means if your neighbor's foot in your way, say, please move it. I don't want to step on it, but I'm going through. Come on now. I'm going to ask Tammy to play. We're going to pray the Holy Spirit's going to break out on you today. You know, I'm not going to kid you. You say something weird could happen. Yeah, the Holy Spirit might get a hold today in a way you've never been gotten a hold of. Let's sing it, and I want to invite you to come. Can you give God, can you give God five or ten minutes today for this? Hallelujah. Come on down. Sing, can we sing that? Let's, uh, whatever we're playing. Hallelujah. I don't, 
Come on, I, I want to invite you to come. God's going to, he's going to really define that giftedness. He's going to embolden you to share the gift that he's entrusted to you. Come on, I want to invite you to come. If I have to beg, I will, because I believe it's a critical moment. Let's sing that chorus together. Thank you for listening. You can find us online at BethelAG.com or on Facebook at Bethel Assembly of God, Littlestown, Pennsylvania. Our services are also live streamed every Sunday on our YouTube channel, Bethel AG, Littlestown, Pennsylvania.